What's up, and welcome back to Anybody and Everybody. I'm your host, Herm, and we have got one hell of an episode for you today. Joining the show is my buddy, Will Ballou. We met at the MLL bubble. He was an intern with the league, and he is an absolute beauty. One of the best content creators I've ever met in my life. He's an awesome time and a great interview, so I'm really stoked to get that out to you. But before we get going here, I have something that I need to talk to you guys about. That's Second Nine Golf. And if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you already know that they came on to support the show and do what they can. So they threw me a promo code to give you guys, and it is one hell of a deal. So if you head over right now to secondninegolf.com, that's second, S-E-C-O-N-D, nine, as in the letter nine, or number nine, golf.com, and use promo code HERM15, that's all capitalized, you'll get 15% off your order on some of the best golf apparel that you will find in the market. I absolutely love these guys. They're awesome. Second Nine was created by two brothers down in Augusta, Georgia, and they're just a couple average golfers who like to have a good time, but they wanted to create apparel for the guys and gals that, that get out there, whether you're scratch, whether you're a Sunday golfer, whether you like to do it and think you have hopes and aspirations of making the tour, Second Nine Golf is absolutely going to hook you up. So you need to head over to their website, secondninegolf.com, check out the apparel, throw some stuff in your cart, and use code HERM15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's a big deal, great discount, and you're going to really love what you get. But I've talked a lot. Here he is, Will Ballou. Before we got started here, we were talking about how hard the freelance grind is. Um, it's something that you're just constantly searching and searching and searching for work. Uh, have you found that while doing freelance kind of work, you've like hit an all-time peak in stress? Because I know I was last summer. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of there's a lot of stress in one finding people. Um, so like trying to like go through all the um networks of job places so like you know obviously you're gonna start places like for jobs like indeed and things like that and and then like there's also stuff like bark uh is really good and like um just trying to do those things is like the first stressful part and then after that it's like doing the work is kind of like meeting deadlines is just normal stress like college has already prepped me to stay up all night and like hustle for that but really the part that stresses me out the most like the biggest stress is just being like okay time to pay me now <laughs> and it's just like no, that. i know it's borderline awkward yeah it, it, no it, it's an incredibly awkward situation i think it's something you know i i've said this for a little while is that college needs to teach a course even if it's a short term like maybe two week course or something where you go in at night just how to like ask for money and do it in the proper way because i feel like there's no kind of structure to it right i mean we were never prepped on how do we as freelancers how do we ask someone to actually pay us for our work um because whether you like it or not we still need to be paid for our services and we'll do our best to make it as good and clear as as, like the dream that you were thinking of but if something slightly is off i've had people be like no i'm not gonna pay you i'm like bro i literally put in like 27 hours of work like pay me something (laughs) Yeah, and that's always tough because it's like um, you can do all the stuff where it's like 
you can talk with them, tell them kind of, you know, like that client briefing kind of talk that you always see on like designer memes. Right. Um, and it's just like client budget versus like, you know, client expectation versus client budget. And it's always like, you know, Hollywood quality. And then it's like potato. Right. And it's, um, right, right, right. you know, when you, you can do all the stuff too, is like, you know, writing up these small contracts and sort of breakdowns of work and trying to it's really hard to through emails or texting it's almost better just do calls is trying to explain to your client hey so like this is the kind of work here's some of my thought process here's sort of my um i guess pipeline of how i do things and like trying to like like get them to grasp the scope of it without overwhelming them with like technical jargon and um and I've had like some success with being able to just talk people through it, um, especially when they sort of see a final product. And, um, you know, I'll even like, so like a, a thing I've sort of been doing that helps me because um, everybody's kind of been chill with it. The one work I've done is I like Twitch stream sometimes mm -hmm. um, just my work that I'm doing. And then I'll have like a video recording. I can be like, Hey, so here's my process. Here's my screen time. Like you can kind of see like what I'm doing. It just takes a really long time to get that perfection that you're expecting. Well, that's um, actually really that's really intelligent because then you can also mark the hours of work. Because I think sometimes when I go to people and tell people when I'm doing a project, and I haven't I haven't freelanced in a while, so it's been a hot minute since I've done it. But I would go to a client. Let's say I was doing a video with of like PLL content, uh, half vlog, half uh, you know still images with some highlights in there. And I'd be like, yeah, this is going to take me about six hours to edit. And they'd be like, bullshit. I'm like, no, I'm literally about to sit at my computer, have a panic attack halfway through. And you're going to not understand that it took me this much work to edit together what you were searching for. And so the the ability to capture uh, that screen time and at the same time try and entertain people through streaming it is actually brilliant. Did, did you come up with that on yourself or are there other people that do that? Um, so like Twitch has a really big thing for like uh, creative streaming um, where people it seems like a lot of people do personal projects. I know like um, people who do like cosplay tend to like, you know, stream their process and stuff like that. And like there's a there's a big like I wouldn't say market, but there's at least a fan base of people that watch that kind of content. Mm -hmm. um, so I just saw that and um, I saw a video one day that was like. How can people like like it was it was a really good point and I was just like yeah why not because uh, this this video I don't remember if it was like TikTok or Instagram or whatever was like how can all these dudes sit around for like eight plus hours playing video games and not like stream it and try to make uh, money off of it and I was like yeah why am I not just like streaming this stuff I'm already on my computer like and then I like kind of did more rethinking of like how to use that more than just like make money on twitch i was just like oh yeah this, there's so many different uh like upsides to to streaming this between like you said like documenting the work and the time and because like you can show them like a spreadsheet and be like so i did these hours on this day and this but like people just kind of think that you can like fluff those numbers right totally uh, but you can also turn into an educational thing i mean so like if someone's new to using something like premiere pro or uh Pro Cut or whatever you're using to edit your your content, 
somebody could come and see and learn one little thing. I mean, there are so many intricacies to those applications that so many professionals don't even know about. And if you can learn one thing from a stream, I would say it's totally worth it because, I mean, the editing process is a series of figuring out shortcuts, right? I mean, if you are able to figure out the effects and after effects and different tools of the app and cut that resourceful time down, that's how you start saving time. And when time is money, you're searching for every shortcut you can make. So if you could teach something to one person, the most minimal of things potentially, you could be making them a lot more money in turn gaining more support on your end. It's 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 brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And um something you sort of touched on was like all the all the details of like, no man, I this is really gonna take me a really long time is because yeah. like just on a simple video edit um, is like you're just going to be like scrubbing through a lot of footage and who knows like for you specifically like if you're doing a brand specific thing where you have to like vlog yourself and like record your own stuff that can be part of it Um, if you have to like make your own footage kind of thing and color correction and like you know whatever after effects stuff you might be doing Cause like I do a lot of those glow videos where it's just like the right. rotoscoped glowy stuff. And um, yeah, it's just very time consuming to go frame by frame by frame and, you know, it's masking tedious, stuff man. out. Yeah. It's like tough. Let me tell you what I, there, I can, I take editing and I put it in two boxes. I have one, my vlogs, which are my favorite to edit anything where I'm, where I control the shoot and I know exactly what, like I'm putting it together in my head before I even hop into an edit. But then there's the one where I don't do all the filming necessarily and people are sending me files and that's the tough stuff, man. That's the stuff where I'm weeding through it for three hours before I even throw something into uh, a reel to be edited. So it's truly a grind. But okay, so you said that you've been working with this quarterback. Um, Were you where did you have some kind of like a fascination with lacrosse or are you very versatile throughout all the sports? Because I've noticed in myself that I have become so accustomed with only editing lacrosse stuff that I struggle when I switch between other sports. Yeah. Oh man. That's a, that's a good question. Um, so I love like a lot of sports. I'm not like super keen on like, you know, I'm like really terrible. Like when people try to talk to me about other sports that aren't like lacrosse or football, I'm like really just like, Oh no, what do I do? Uh, because like the NBA and like, you know, MOB and stuff like that have so many college and minor league things to keep up with and, and trying to understand different facets of how to record those kind of things too is like really, really difficult. Um, whereas football and, you know, American football (laughs) at least is like everywhere. So it's like really easy to find examples of good edits and try to, uh, reverse engineer what other people are doing. Um, so like, lacrosse I've just been doing for a real long time so like um when I was starting to edit some of this football stuff I was like how do I kind of like make it different and how do I like make it not just seem like because like, there's a very clear cut like when I post on social media um my lacrosse content versus like my football stuff and it's just I have a very clear understanding from working with the MLL and all mm-hmm. the training from JD of how to edit lacrosse stuff and what makes, you know, how to slow stuff up, speed things up. And 
like what good angles work here and there. But football is just like, okay, well, I'm recording all this footage on my own for this group and trying to get the right angles and stuff I want without being in the way and only shooting on like an iPhone mm-hmm. um, is like something that I think is just a learning curve to work with. Um, it certainly is. I mean, lacrosse is so interesting too, because it's one of the harder things to edit and work with. So then the fact of the matter is that we should be able to leave that and take that set of skills and put it into every other sport, but it's just so it's so minor the intricacies that you just have to learn and figure out switching between sports and everything. But um, let's let's talk MLL for a second, man. How how is your bubble experience? I mean, I, I think I have a pretty good understanding of it, but how how was it for you? Uh stressful. It was, it was good, but it was stressful. stressful. Um, it, it certainly was. You and Tom were going back and forth a little bit there. Yeah, like uh, I had to basically I wasn't recording any videos on the field like I did like one day of like training camp or whatever, um, just because there wasn't a whole lot going on. But once it was like game time and you had to like lock in and get ready, it was um, it was tough. I mean, Tom's a great mentor and really like helped me get through some of the hurdles that I needed to get through and um, just kind of like learning how to just focus and figure stuff out because part of my job there was taking he was he Tom was like screen capping live feed stuff of the game and then he was sending it to me while he kept focusing on what to clip next and then right. he would just send me the clips I would have to like square them out for social media and then post them to social media like I was in charge of most of the live game posting and coming up with captions like on the fly was really really tough uh after like the first day i was like man i gotta make a spreadsheet of all these guys like instagram and twitter handles because i cannot remember all of this so like i was sitting in the hotel room at late at night just being like all right what is this guy what is this guy (laughs) you know trying to figure everything out and um you know tom is such a beauty isn't he dude tom's the man he is the man that was so much fun now for to give the the listeners a little bit of an inside look so there was what like eight of us maybe in the content room and so yeah the content close. room sits right below the stadium so we were constantly running in and out of this well first of all we needed the content room because it was the only air-conditioned area in the 140 degree weather um so we were constantly working ourselves back from the field sidelines back into the content room and vice versa so there was just this series of eight of us or whatever just constantly rotating and it, it was a hoot man um i know that uh one of the one of the biggest stresses of the week though was just the idea of people's cameras and everything just overheating that was nutty it was insane i've never seen so many people just sitting in a room waiting for things to come back to life yeah especially like yeah because alton's cameras kept like overheating so bad and oh, it yeah, was like was really funny. tough to well, watch also- him I know, yeah. he, but he was also running like 4K film with his in, like crazy tripod setup that takes like an exorbitant, exorbitant, that's the word I'm looking for, exorbitant amount of heat. So just constantly overheating. The photographers were the ones who were struggling a little bit less, like Alex and Ann and uh, yeah. who was out there, Jamal. Yeah. They, were, they were all great, great people. Um, so where, 
first of all, I think there are people be interested in this. How does one go about getting a gig with the MLL? And for future reference, how do they, um, you know, maybe fill in a role like yours in in seasons coming up? Oh, um, man, that's a that's also another really good question. Um, well, first, it's like the easy step is just hustle, build that portfolio. Right. Right. Um, Cause like how I got started was like the summer before my senior year, I really needed an internship and they're always hiring for internships first of all. Um, so if you're a college student looking for something, um, I think all the teams are, you know, New York, Philly, like everywhere is definitely like probably looking for interns at some point or another. And um, I basically like applied for video editor, whatever. Um, it wasn't really quite like what I wanted to do permanently because I was going to school for like character animation, like Disney, Pixar, like 3D character stuff. Right. Um, and you were showing at some of your stuff. It was sick. Yeah. Yeah. And so over that summer, I kind of was my buddy JD who does graphic design for like sports teams and stuff was like, hey, man, you should probably, like, think about sports as, like, a really good alternative. Because they always have, like, weird stuff of, um, you know, all the graphics and things that you see during live games and stats and things. And, you know, Fox Dancing Robots, a really good example. Right, or Fox and, has been doing... Have you seen the football, the, these weird, like, acid trip type... Yes, I have. ...going on every week? They are nuts, man. They're so crazy. And, yeah, so it's stuff like that. Um, that I didn't really think about until he said something to me. So that summer too, I had like kind of boosted my portfolio. I applied for the PLL cause they were looking for somebody and I heard that they like pay interns and stuff and they just never replied to my email or like to my application. I was like, all right, cool. Sounds on brand. And yeah, I mean, Barstool never replied to my emails either. And since they're pretty much affiliated on brand, yeah, um, it's, it's so kind of goes hand in hand well i mean i mean the difference between the pll and barstool is that barstool probably gets a thousand applications a day pll doesn't do that yeah that's true that's true but i found the mll because i was looking for it because i was like i mean i really want to work in lacrosse seems really nice and i found something for the headquarters which is like right here in boston and it was really you know, I, I didn't think I was really going to get it right. My dad always says, you know, keep your expectations low. So I was like, all right, cool. And then I just replied. And I, I was at work. I was like working nights and I got a call at like three or four o'clock. And it was JD who was just like, hey, I'm calling about your application. And was like trying to um, see about a time for me to like come down and stuff. And it was like really a shock to me. So if there was anyone I would love to receive a call from, it's Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And um, so once I got down here and like was working and I was like doing, you know, trying to bounce school stuff plus go into the office, um, I was more familiar with a little bit more long form editing, like um, more, I guess, like long term, like storytelling editing. Right, right. And so that was a big curve as well. So like being really good at like quick edits is something that I think like people should be um considering when they're like trying to like get into this field is that social media is such a big part of it yeah, that like to, the turnaround time is un impeccable 
yeah, my turnaround time was not good. And it was, it was like, good thing I'm an intern. You don't pay me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. So like, it was just that curve and, and JD taught me so much about, you know, um, about getting that quicker and better. And, um, I was just filming stuff in my own free time too, to like, just have footage of my own to practice with and really like make it happen. So like, I know this year is tough for a lot of people to go find a, you know, their college sport team or like high school sports team to like film, but like you can jack anything offline from like an NFL team or something and just hustle and get that too. Yeah. I mean, it's all about practicing, right? You can't, you don't become a professional athlete playing your sport once a week. You still don't, you don't do the same thing by making one video a week. Right. So I know when I was getting started, I would first watch a ton of other people and try and come up with ideas. Not that I would jack any ideas. I would just kind of uh, learn different ways in which you can approach the camera and stuff like that. But then second, I would go back through and edit old footage all back together or stuff that I already had saved and just constantly be doing that at night. Not stuff I ever put out, just stuff that was fun to edit and I had to practice on because, I mean... For anyone who is an aspiring content creator, you'll realize when you're getting into it, it's 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 a grind. It's grueling. So um, I've noticed myself recently, and this is something that I'm working on a lot, is that I've become really lazy with editing. Um, I, I don't do it nearly as much as I should be anymore. And I think that I kind of burnt myself out uh, the summer that I was traveling around with like the PLL and I was doing daily vlogs and I was just constantly, constantly, constantly putting content out. And I didn't sleep and I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as I might have shown on camera. And so I know that that is there's a fine line between practicing a lot of editing and not over overdoing it, because as soon as you overdo it, it's going to turn you away and you aren't going to want to do it professionally anymore. And that was that was a tough thing for me to kind of overcome. And I think a big part of it, too, was I was facing that same bridge right at the beginning of quarantine when like everything just seemed to be going the wrong way. Um, so, so just for future and potential content creators, make sure you keep that in mind. Don't burn yourself out, but get plenty of practice in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's like something that's like really important because I, you obviously hear burnout a lot from like YouTubers. Right. A lot. And like, it's real as much as like, I mean, a lot of times those YouTubers are always people vlogging and being on camera. So it's really hard to like, I don't know, like put on a face and like pretend that, right? Like you're saying where you're like, I'm not happy, but I'm doing it right now. Right. There's Uh, two, there's definitely two types of burnout. There's the first one, which is the criticism that you get. Um, That, that was the hard, that was tough too. I mean, I didn't really care about that as much as I just got like tired of editing. I was just like, I'm, I'm kind of done staring at a screen between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. You know, uh, that that was that was the burnout that killed me. The the people in my DMs telling me I'm awful, I'm bad at lacrosse, stuff like that. I don't really give a shit about that. That stuff is that kind of falls off my back. Sometimes it'll get under my skin. But but I, I if you get that every day. Yeah, you're going to get burnt out. No, nobody in the world has the emotional capacity to deal with constant criticism. It's it's just unfair and harsh. Yeah, it is. And that's why like that's why you see like people have agents in Hollywood and stuff you'd be like, "Ah, somebody else is going to take care of the criticism and it's not exactly the actor who has to deal with it entirely. Someone do else do the PR." So, so well, that's good to know, man. Uh we we met at the MLL, but I know that 
you have you've done a lot you've done a lot with your life and so let's take it back man when did you kind of figure out that you were interested in design graphic design video design editing you know all of the kind of things that you you're pretty capable and professional at when when did that come into your life when you're just like okay i'm gonna turn this on now um so like for most of my life it's was mostly just the classic you know you draw one thing as a kid and like all your aunts and uncles and everybody in your family's like here's colored pencils here's paper so that you sort of get like we got an artist in the family so they like push art on you a little bit Mm -hmm. um and i was like pretty decent at like traditional media uh stuff but it wasn't until like mm, my senior year of high school that they introduced uh like a film production class film like review class where you like wrote like critical like roger ebert critical analysis of films mm-hmm. and um i took like an animation class and then i took like a coding class my senior year because i was just like i got electives i'm filling these guys up with just like crazy stuff because i was like oh, i don't know i didn't know if i was going to go to college or not so i was just going to try to do stuff that was fun and then from there i was doing like flash animations um mixed with you know some of my film production class stuff and i was sort of split if i wanted to go into like traditional like cliche like nyu film or if i wanted to do like stuff like um you know straight up animation like sony and pixar and stuff like that right Uh, right so i took like a year off and i didn't really you know after that i took a year off and i didn't really I kind of just lazed around in New Hampshire and I was working this really terrible dead end job that like basically I was working out in the winter time in like 20 degree weather and it sucked. What was it? What was the dead end job? Build, I was building pallets, like wooden oh, pallets. like wooden pallets. That's yeah. Tough. Uh, they were not fun. You were building all different kinds of stuff and then you were repairing old crappy ones with new, it was so bad. It was just awful. And I'm thankful for that experience in the sense it kind of woke my ass up to be like, hey, find something better. Like, do push yourself to be somewhere not here. Um, right, right. I, I couldn't agree more. I have a similar experience in the fact that I worked at UPS. Uh, I worked the 3.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. shift just so and I would work it five days a week just so that I could get out to PLL weekends, you know, just so I could get out to afford the plane ride to Denver that one weekend and then come home and drive up to New York and make the 10 hour drive up there and then 10 hour drive back down to Virginia. So I could be at UPS at three 30 in the morning for Monday morning. It was nuts, man. But the grind is what makes you appreciate and search for that next gig that you actually want to be doing. Exactly. Exactly. So, so but that's in high school for you or that's the year that you were taking off. That was the year I was taking off. I was building those crummy pallets and I didn't know what to do. I had like that small experience my senior year of being like, I touched on some of these, you know, different parts of media that I, you know, in New Hampshire, it's just not, it's non-existent, you know? Right. So it seems as though New Hampshire would not be the optimal place to be trying to start a media career. No, not at all. Uh, so my girlfriend at the time i mean she's still my girlfriend but like at the time when uh, we were first starting dating and stuff she uh went to this small school first before me and 
like my my one of my years off like she um she went and for animation to start and was telling me about it more and i was like man that that really sounds like something i want to do you know she was showing me some of her work and things like that i was like i think i think i can do that um yeah so she kind of helped me figure out that i wanted to do something in media um and i we picked that school we picked uh mount ida college i went to the same school uh that's in newton mass okay yeah past tense uh my sophomore year uh so 2016 they closed down they went bankrupt they went belly up yeah it was a tough time oh man that's tough so you had to transfer out i had to transfer out um right is like when i was starting to learn you know that sophomore year is when i started to learn you know, i got all those i was starting to get gen eds out and out starting to focus on character animations i was starting to go right. that way what's that experience like do they just do you get an email one day that's like the school's gonna be shutting down will help yeah. you transfer or no was it, it was it was school's bankrupt uh umass uh dark like basically umass is buying us and uh you have all been auto enlisted for umass dartmouth there was no like hey you get to pick a new school it's just like you're going this is your new school so did you end up at UMass Dartmouth or did you transfer? Hell no. There? I transferred. I transferred before. Like they, it was really weird. They like sent all of our medical records and like everything to them. And it was really, is weird. that right? That should be illegal. Border, basically borderline illegal. I think. I mean, I'm and, sure at some point when you're signing all those papers that you sign, when you go into college, you signed away the right to send those medical records. If the school gets transferred or whatever, but fact of the matter is you should be able to give consent that you don't want to be enlisted at this new school and you are requesting a free transfer of whatever sorts. Yeah, yeah. That's it was really cool. messed up. And so watch, wait, yeah. I have two questions then. One, you go, oh, hell no, to UMass Dartmouth. Is, is it a rough school? Not somewhere you Oh, it's so bad. The place basically looked like, dude, I didn't even go to the tour because I was like, I'm in finals mode um i'm not going it was really bad because it was like two months before the end of school so like everything's ramping up for your final especially in design classes it's like right. you're on your final projects you're building up for you know like basically like your end of the year projects and it was like all right i'm just gonna bunker down and not talk to anyone for a while because this is what i'm doing um so there was a tour that went and you can just look at the pictures it, the place basically looks like a prison a converted uh, juvenile a school. school uh it looks like a juvenile prison um there's a there's a term for it but basically everything's made out of concrete and mm -hmm. it's like it's just so bad there's like a giant spire in the middle and they're like yeah that's our satellite dish and blah 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 and i'm like Nah, man, I think that's where the prison guards stand. <laughs> yeah, that's not where that's not a place you want to be now. Then you take that. And did you have a school in mind that you're like, okay, yeah, that's where I want to go? Or was that a tough process to make the transfer? Um, that was sort of a tough process. I didn't really know where I wanted to go. Um, because there were a lot of options, but not a whole lot in um doing because there was so, the thing about Ida that was really unique to that program was that most places don't have is that was a bachelor's of science in animation which most are like bachelor's of fine arts for that stuff so like right it's kind of a nice flex to be like i have a bachelor's of science 
Um, and so it was really tough to try to find a lot of places, but I had one teacher who was a, um, uh, I don't remember like what the term is, but basically he was where he teaches a bunch of other places. And, um, he was teaching at this place called Leslie. That's right in Cambridge, Mass. Mm -hmm. And, um, they're mostly, I only know them because of my cousin went there for like his teaching degree. And so, and like, that's all I really know them for. And that's what a lot of other people know them for, uh, is how good like their education programs are. And I didn't realize that they had in years prior bought out some other defunct art school. And, um, he was like, yeah, they're just got like $7 million to build a brand new animation facility. And I was like, Oh, okay, bet let's go. And it seemed like the only good option uh from there and i ended up really not liking the school that much but i toughed it out for the two years because i just wanted to be done because it wasn't it wasn't what they promised they were like hey we got all these things for you know the technical jargon they had like render farms for 3d rendering and Mm -hmm. which would have saved you a lot of time time. Yeah. yeah um and they had like two new facilities but like two like computer labs that were brand new like one was a mac one was a pc but like honestly i don't know anybody who does 3d animation on a mac right yeah, um, that's not an option. you know a lot you know maybe if you're doing adobe after effects 3d or something but yeah and then um you know you looked around and you're like man you guys dumped a lot of money into stuff that's not really animation they were more like art classes and i remember one classroom was still like um what they call like a top-down uh like shoot whatever studio which is basically what they did for like animation in the 30s yeah (laughs) yeah, i'm like why did you put money into this this seems build another lab yeah it's like really not necessary it's like one thing if you want to teach that as part of like your like a class or two to be like this is what they used to do it's hard moving on you know and then move on to digital um but yeah they it was really weird because it was not what like i expected i think from what seven million dollars looks like right so well seven million dollars in the animation field also doesn't go as far as seven million dollars anywhere else in the world Uh, so no that's that's also a very difficult battle that they i'm sure that they had to face but at the same time you would think that they would have someone that's more has an expertise in it that kind of guides them in a direction where you should funnel that money but fact of the matter is, you make this tough transition. Did you ever, did you ever feel any like emotional effects from that transition? I mean, I personally, if I was told I had to leave my college halfway through because they closed down bankruptcy and I had to go through the process, and I was talking about this on the episode last week, because I like I hate paperwork. Something about it just gives me crazy anxiety. I would just go insane if they're like, you need to send your transcripts, medical records. Uh, application this that and the other thing to another school i would have probably just been like well i'm dropping out of college because it's not worth it to me yeah so that was that was an option to drop out and get um what's it called like basically like loan forgiveness right um, because like that's not something that you can you know i mean like you could have just i could have walked away with like 60k of loan debt just gone um and i would have been like sick dude great and yeah, i mean now, as someone now paying off his college loans, I would have taken that option. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was lucky that when I went to Leslie, um, one, 
way cheaper per semester because I decided to live off campus because one of my other friends who was in the, um, cause Mount Ida had a animation, uh, one. And then they also had a video game one as well, a uh, program. Uh-huh. And one of my friends that I had 3d animation with, which is an overlapping class with the games. He was just like, well, I'm going to Northeastern. So you want to get an apartment? And I was like, okay, let's do this. So living off campus was a really good choice. Uh, it was a really good step of being like independent. Right. Yeah. You um, learn a lot from that. Yeah. Uh, going through that process. Cause so like there was transferring, I had to go through like all the paperwork to get my transcripts from UMass. Like everything had to go through UMass now. And yeah, it was, that was really tough. And then trying to explain to, or not explain, but just trying to like show to my loan company, whatever, when I was going for my new loans that I was like, ah, new school, new me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And that that is a difficult conversation. Yeah. And uh, plus trying to get an apartment and doing all that paperwork. So yeah, I was in that part of Boston. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it was really stressful. Plus on top of Cambridge. Yeah. I'm living in Cambridge now. Oh, you're still in Cambridge? Yeah, I'm still in Cambridge. Beauty, how how do you like it? I love it. It's great, dude. My rent's like really cheap because for what I pay, having, you know, I don't have to pay for my uh, electricity separate. Like everything's included, heating, water, everything's included. It's great. Getting the package deal. I found that out. We had, we, I lived in two different apartments in my college career and one of them had it, one of them didn't. And I would take the package deal any day of the week. Yeah, because like winter and summertime, when you crank on the AC and heat stuff, it's like, oh, yeah. that'll just kill you first of all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Flat rate. And it also just gets taken out in one bill. My issue was that I had to pay like four separate bills and I just didn't keep it in order. I, I'm not, I'm kind of an unorganized person. It's something I need to work on in my life. But I would constantly just be like surprised by a bill coming out of my bank account. I'd be like, shit, must be the 16th again. Yeah, the <laughs> auto pay gets you every time. Yeah, every single time, man. Cambridge, though, that's a beautiful area that um, I would not have minded going to school in. Uh, I'm I'm not from Boston. My uh, family, though, Boston would be considered our favorite city. And we get, well, without COVID, we're up there at least 10, 15 times a year for Red Sox, Bruins games, Patriot game, any of the above. And so I, I know the area pretty well. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I'm like a 10-minute walk from Harvard Square. Um, yeah. So it's like, it's really nice. Uh, I'm basically like a 10-minute walk to anything. I'm 10-minute walk from like the T, the the red line yeah. to like go anywhere. Um, and it's so just right smack dab in the middle there. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, the Charles is like right there. And yeah, For it's pretty sure. awesome. That's gorgeous, man. Now, when you had the transfer, did your girlfriend come with you? Yes. Yeah, because she still had one year left of school to do, and I had two. So we just transferred to the same school because we were both going to school for animation. So it just was like our only option because they were accepting all of our credits with no hassle and right like $7 million. A new, new studio seems really promising. and Right, yeah. yeah. All of the upfront things sounded really awesome at, at the beginning there. Did she have, did she struggle with the uh, transition yeah. like you did where you didn't like it as much? Yeah, yeah. She really didn't like it because having to go into her senior year, that means that she had to do her thesis through them. Oh, and that's right, man. That's tough. Yeah. And so, like, she was, she wants to do, like, she actually wants to do character animation 
and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so her her thesis was strict 3D storytelling thing, but the entire first half of the year was pre-production and writing a story and pitching it. And they just there was some weird stuff going on that basically because they're like there was one thing that I saw a lot of was a hard split between the new Mount Ida kids and the already existing Leslie kids. They were uh-huh. sort of like a divide of like, if you haven't been here the full four years, get out. We don't want to be friends with you. It was like really oh, weird. Kind of an outcast. Yeah, it was like really weird. Um, but on top of that, um, they kind of like, if you wanted to do something, it wasn't like super obvious until like you sort of started seeing the signs little by little. But what it boiled down to was when she was trying to work on her thesis, she was coming up with really cool ideas and things like that. And she was getting terrible feedback. Um, People were just like not liking anything. And then the minute that she switched it from just a fun story to, hey, let me do something that has to do with some sort of uh, like social like problem in some way, whether it's like depression or anxiety or like something of those natures, you know what I mean? Like that. It was like a whole like light switch flicked on where they were like oh we love this idea this is great and there were things that basically said that um the higher ups that were in charge only liked ideas that they could showcase that made their school look good and not what was good for the students personal work right right really self-interest that's conflicting yeah especially like when i finally got around to my thesis i was trying to do sports motion graphics um and every kid just didn't get it. They like couldn't understand because it's not a story based kind of thing. I was just like, yeah, I just want to kind of do a reel of this, like, you know, stuff based around uh, MLL. Cause I like, when I was interning there, I had all this cool footage. Uh, so like, I was trying to do something that was like around the championship that year and trying to make graphics and animations and stuff like that. I even made like a 3d model of the Steinfeld trophy, and uh yeah yeah it was cool i put in like a state a 3d stadium setting and like it was really cool but like one kid basically was just like i don't understand what you're doing this is just jingling keys in front of children and i'm like okay (laughs) neat now was partially part of this because it's a super artsy school and kids just were kind of out of sync with sports or yes (laughs) It, it was between that and that basically every kid was doing 2d animation like they were still doing adobe flash animations is that right wow yeah there was maybe like in my, really pushing the boundaries yeah like my class was maybe three kids graduated with 3d animations it was like mine and two others and that was it i was like man 2d's like i wouldn't say 2d's dead but i would the say opportunities for 2d now. are a lot limited right i think that 3d's up and coming or almost in its time now and then 40 is going to be right around the corner so yeah yeah kind of start exploring what's what and get ahead of the curve there but so so would so you'd say the demographic though was incredibly like artsy hipstery type people yeah oh yeah that's kind of groovy though yeah yeah like there were some cool kids there but it was just like i was definitely surrounded by the complete polar opposite it was like weird for me to be like the vlogger kid who didn't like southern things or whatever because i was down in richmond virginia where 
like similar to New Hampshire, I would guess the media is not really like it's not exactly invited. You know, I mean, no. kids were just very unless I went down the street to VCU where everyone's super artsy and hipstery and stuff. I was I was still out of my element. Yeah, but that's rad, man. So so you end up graduating and finishing up and how, how many years out are you now? Uh, one, I graduated this past year. So okay. I graduated into COVID. Same. Yeah. No, me too, man. It, it's been, it's been quite the, uh, experience. I'm glad that I started my job when I did, um, because had I graduated and not had a gig, I'd probably still be unemployed and just sleeping on the couch every night because I, I'm, I don't know. I, I didn't know. I wouldn't know where to start with, without sports. It, it's tough. It is really tough right now. And as a freelancer, I mean, I'm sure you're feeling it. Oh, yeah. It's really tough. I'm really lucky that um, doing this work with this group, QB Velocity, that um, the guy who started it, it's him and his father, and he was actually the quarterback uh, at, at Ida the last year, you know, the year before it closed. So, like, I got to know him. Oh, so, like, awesome. I was lucky that, like, an old connection kind of came through. And now it's kind of like been helping me through this whole pandemic, trying to find job stuff, which is really nice. So we've talked a lot about editing and software and everything. What um what else would Will Baloo do? What what else do you do, man? What what are some of your hobbies? What are your interests? Like what 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 do you do on a daily basis? Um, yeah. So on top of like editing and video editing and stuff like that, um. I basically like to do 3D modeling. Like, I still like to stay up with my 3D stuff a little bit. I do, like, some rendering of just random scenes with, like, grass and, like, twin moons and stuff and, like, deserts and stuff. And, um, you know, I'll dabble in video games from time to time. What, what games do you play? Um, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 a lot. It's been really good to me. Big sucker for I Westerns. I haven't seen. I haven't played that yet. I've I've heard about it, but it's really good. I, Just I, imagine GTA, but it's Western. Right, right, right. That's what I heard. I I must admit, I am not exactly a video game guy. But that being said, I have been pondering the idea of starting to stream. Um, just because I think I have enough personality to cover up the fact that I'm awful at video games, and I just think it would be a good time more than anything. Dude, we could all stream Among Us. We, you could just get everybody from the past podcast episodes to play Among Us. That would be hilarious. I've actually been playing Among Us. So my girlfriend's sister, um, she got me into it. And it, it's addicting, man. I didn't even realize. Red kind of sus, dude. Red kind of sus. Red is always sus. Actually, I'm always pink. And I must admit, for some, th- some, for some reason, I'm never sus. Like, people are never checking in on me. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It, Have you ever been out. caught like venting? Venting? What's yeah. that? Yeah. Like, like when you go through like the vents and stuff like when you're near the trader. Oh, no. I've never been caught. I've been caught a few times. It's really awkward. Oh. I'm like, well, I guess I got to kill you, man. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it, that's not me. That's uh, I, I just kind of stay quiet. I, I honestly don't really I'm not very tactical about it. <laughs> I think it's what makes me bad at video games as a whole. But um, I, if anything, I think I would stream something maybe like uh, Madden. I'm decent at Madden. Chell, I'm all right at. Yeah, um, that's about it, though. <laughs> it would it would just be for the comedy. 
the the comedy would be what keeps people watching. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't really play video games. I've been playing. Uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of, and it's like the most nerdiest thing ever. But my roommate got me into it. I'm playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Is that right? I, yeah. Uh, my only World of Warcraft experience, I must say, is walking into my dorm room at 3 a.m. as a sophomore in high school and watching a group of like 20 kids surround a table just clicking their mouse as fast as possible. I think that was World of Warcraft. It might be a totally different game I'm thinking of too. That sounds like it could be World of Warcraft. It probably is. Yeah, I mean, it, it was nuts just to see them all just staring at their screen and everything. But I don't know. Video games are one of those things that I, I, I was never good at them, so I kind of always put them to the side. I would always end up outside doing something else, whether it was climbing a tree or playing a sport. I was, I was always searching for anything. <laughs> Except, you know what kept me inside? Guitar Hero. I could oh. have done Guitar hero for that kept everybody inside for a while i know it was nuts there were there were times and this is a this is funny i would what, what how old were we probably like 13 ish maybe younger when yeah. when guitar hero came out and we got it and i would go off to like a hockey tournament baseball tournament hot lacrosse tournament, whatever i was playing at the time and come home to like one of my parents sitting in front of the couch literally playing guitar hero and they would be like i haven't moved all day dude so i would come home from class i would come home from school and my dad would have unhooked my entire ps2 from my room and brought it into the living room and i'll just find him playing guitar hero i'm like what? i know One of those dad what are you doing rare games that was able to encapsulate a complete society and just have people addicted to it right it's nuts to think that 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 one video game had that effect on so many people yeah like literally one time I came home and he was just like, I've been, I've been playing this for like three hours and I can only get the song at 99%. He's like, I can't, I he's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> My dad did the same thing. He was like, I'm getting through the whole catalog and playing every song perfectly. I think he played paint it black. I remember this vividly paint it black. He played probably like 27 times in a row. And it got to the point where I was like, dude, I am going to cut you off and I am your son. Like he was hooked. <laughs> And but he's also like such a dork. My dad's hilarious. He like um will like play like the Batman games like Arkham Asylum and stuff and yes like, just completely devote his like life to it. <laughs> he's like, I could be doing work all night, but he, I'm gonna stay up all night playing Arkham Asylum. <laughs> and it, it's hilarious. It's adorable. Yeah, my family like weirdly has like a my dad classic cliche like blue collar dude just like working like enjoys working but man like when he comes home and plays video games it's like he plays a lot of westerns and i'm like okay. right? so he plays That's like red right. dead and stuff and i'm like okay man because he he grew up in like the 70s and stuff and i'm just like yeah that's a good time when reruns of just westerns were playing all the time i get it but, yeah yeah i can't say i've ever gotten into the westerns actually i don't watch tv in general really so i uh i definitely am out of touch in that in that way form yeah i've seen him play like red i've I've seen play he's played star wars a bunch like battlefront oh yeah battlefront dave loves Uh, he actually loves all the lego games as well so lego batman lego lego star wars my dad too man marvels yeah dude it it is nuts i've never seen him transform from a 50 year old man to a 12 year old quicker than when a lego game gets dropped <laughs> big facts dude my dad used to tell me stories of how like when he was a kid you know uh they used to like my grandfather used to own like this well drilling business like family mm-hmm. well drilling thing 
And they just had like enough cash in the 80s where in their basement at home, they would just have like arcade cabinets. And that my grandmother, because she was like stay at home, she would just play like centipede all the time. And then any time one of the kids beat her high score, she would unplug the machine and plug it back in. So she would have the new high score. I was like, damn, grandma, you're a savage. (laughs) That's hilarious. That sounds like my dad's dream. He, um, he still has all of his star Wars action figures, Legos. Like he has like a Lego death star that took him years to put together. That is like still in our basement. He just, he loves it all. I mean, and I think that it's important for people like our parents generation, you know, um, people who work full-time jobs and have been working full-time jobs for years and years and years to have that outlet, to do the thing that makes them happy. Some people like exercise and athletics. Other people like playing video games and doing Legos. I mean, it's, uh, it's truly the way to define yourself outside of your job. Yeah. I feel like the one thing that like every adult, especially like our parents, I always feel like when I like reflect on like my parents and just be like, man, what's like the one thing that they like, have always kept doing that like keeps their you know childhood alive within them a little bit is like i look at my dad and i go man you really love collecting sports cards huh so like yeah he's still dude like the amount of you know rookie cards and other things that he has where i'm just like really huh deon sanders rookies huh like neat dude my my dad has his his fair share too It's, it's i think it was just that generation man where people really appreciated things like sports cards and memorabilia more than we probably ever will in the digital media age that we live in. Yeah. Cause everything's just so like replaceable through digital, just being like, yeah, I'll just look at it online. And right. Like, right. There's you no feel for like having that physically in your hand or possession. Exactly. exactly. It's nuts. I mean, I think that, I mean, he kind of got me into the card thing when I was younger, but I, I can't say I have a passion for it. Like I, I never, now would see the need in having sports cards or anything along those lines yeah me other i think it's always really funny like i have you know back at my parents place i have big boxes of just you know my dad would always be like nah these are trash cards because i think at one time he like got hooked up on some of these hype cards and then just like sort of you know said no more to these anymore like after like tim couch he was just like i got burned by buying into the hype of tim couch and then just and he was like, never again. So like, I'll sometimes when I'm home, I'll like look at the, all that stuff. And I'll be like, huh, Wes Welker rookie. Man, if only I had ha- recognized I had this at the peak of his career, I could have probably right. sold this for pretty decent. Oh yeah. You can turn a little bit of a profit there. No, but we are realizing right now we're doing a lot of, and now that I'm back at home because of COVID and everything, we're doing like remodels and stuff. And it's getting to the point, though, where my mom's like, Dave, we are throwing this shit away. We are getting rid of it and, like, sell what you need to sell, but there's no more room for it. So, dude, that, that's same. the debate now. He's also going through his midlife crisis, though, where he got a record player Ooh. and he found all of his records in the basement and is going to the record store every weekend for, like, new drops and stuff. It's hilarious. I love it. Does your Does your dad have a man cave? uh no he doesn't we uh we still live in the house that they uh they got when they first got married so we don't have a room for a man cave but if he could have one i mean his office is basically a man cave that's awesome yeah it's a little bit of everything in there but it's it's hilarious he he loves his new records dude and he just plays them for the whole freaking house to hear (laughs) dude that's it 
when uh th- there's always like those surprising things is like i have a record player in my room and it's the only one in the house and like i have some chairs up there and like my bed and like just like very minimal stuff up there because i moved down to cambridge right so but my record player is still there all my records all the hand-me-down records that he had when he was a kid and like all my aunts and uncles had they gave me and like my mom and dad will just like sit up there and just hang out in my old bedroom and just be like this is nice and listen to records and i'm like okay cool it was pretty cool the other night though we pulled out like marvin's gay marvin gay's what's going on and we like poured some bourbon and we're just hanging out i mean I think that the, it's the little things like that that you can appreciate about the early, uh, I mean, parts of like your life that you got to appreciate with your parents that you can bring back now in later days that that, that are really nice. So I've been into it. I'm, I'm, I'm grooving with it. Yeah, exactly, dude. Those are always the good times. For sure. So we talk about how you're a freelancer, but what is Will Baloo's dream job? What do you want to be doing and pursuing in the coming years that would just make you the happiest motherfucker on earth man um i think that i don't know i feel like it's always evolving a lot right like i thought i was just gonna do character animation for a while and then a new thing came up and i was like i'm gonna do sports motion design motion graphics and then that kind of transitioned once i like started working the MLL and I became more of video editor, videographer kind of stuff um, and things. So I think like when I really think about it, um, it, it's either going to take me down to two paths where I want to work for like a professional lacrosse team. I don't really care which one, if it's an MLL or PLL, you know, I just would like to, NLL's booming right now. Or, yeah, or NL, yes. Uh, new team, who'd this? Yeah. The, the Panther City Lacrosse Club. Can't yeah. forget them. Yeah. See if they got any applications. We'll go down. And, yeah, uh, sure. but yeah, I'd like to work like pro team, whether, you know, whether it's motion graphics or video editing or whatever it may be, or, um, like a professional football team would be pretty sweet too. I think those are like my two ones that right now I feel really like, I don't know, I guess comfortable with, but also like, it'd be really cool to have like inside looks on different things like that. Because having the behind the scenes with MLL stuff really kind of opened my eyes more to just like what it takes to run a league and what it means to run, you know, social media and, you know what it's like to work with players and all this and that and just like there's just so many facets and the fact being like the MLL is so small in the grand scheme of things especially that front office is like 10 people and how they make things run so smoothly i'm like man it's nuts it takes a ton of work but also i don't know if you get this feeling and this is this is something that i battled a little bit when i first got into professional sports and got to work with professional athletes it all became too real to the point where like you know the je ne sais quoi essentially of like going to a professional sports event that there is where you're like almost nervous and your stomach's turning before you get there and it's this whole production that you get to see and once you're behind the scenes you're like wow it's really like just normal people doing normal jobs like i don't know it kind of got like ripped away from me i felt like yeah 
yeah, I, I feel that too. I like that's, you know, in the bubble was like the first time I got to do um, like an actual season with uh, the MLO because I kind of came in on like the back end of like playoffs and championship the last year. And then kind of being part of everything, I was like nervous. And then, you know, like I like all this hype and stuff, but then like 20 minutes into working and like getting in the flow of things, I kind of like the nerves calmed. And now just like right, just not doing it, it's just like weird. I know. It's so one of the weird things for me is like I am in and out of the content room. I'm just on the field doing my thing. And I think it's just like totally normal. Like everything's down to earth. And the next thing I know, I'm getting tweeted like 20 times. Like everyone look at Herm on the field. Look at Herm on the field on ESPN. And I was like, geez, like I guess I was just like on ESPN. That's pretty dope. Like it did. For some reason, the idea of being on ESPN felt like it was going to be so much more, like, cool than it ever actually was that, like, I was almost disappointed in it. Yeah, because, like, you kind of think that it's, like, a... Because, a, like, the just being on the field part versus, like, we're in the studio on ESPN is, like, so right, different. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's what's up, man. This has been an absolute blast. We'll have to get you on the show again soon. Uh, before I let you go, make sure that you plug anything that you need to plug, uh, hype yourself up a bit here, pump your own tires, let the people know where they can find you. And, uh, yeah, man, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, dude, no problem. Anytime. Um, yeah, you can just find me on like Instagram mostly is where I post all my video edits and Twitter. It's just, it's just my name, Will Baloo. Um, at you know and basically i have like my website if you want to check out more of my work it's just willblueanimates.com it's like super straightforward um but yeah dude i like can't wait i really hope we can work together again in like some sort of capacity for like lacrosse or something because uh, that, that media team was awesome it was i wish we could just have that team together every day we would put out some fire stuff maybe create like an mll hype house or something dude the mll hype house dude that sounds sick That'd be hilarious. But, dude, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, dude. What an interview that was. It was an absolute great time getting to catch up with Will. We had a blast at the MLL bubble. He really did a great job with everything that he was doing. I think that he really underplays the fact that that he literally worked probably 12 hours a day and just absolutely crushed it the entire time. He was doing a ton of work for social media, pumping out a ton of content. The MLL stepped up their game this year and absolutely crushed it, and we love to see it. So hats off to Will for crushing that. But guys, girls, everybody who's listening, what a big week it is. It, it's the week after Thanksgiving. We head into December, and we got the holiday, the big one. Hanukkah coming up, um, not just any holiday, but the equivalent to Christmas for Jewish people. And I have I need some gift ideas. I have four family members, one girlfriend and other people I need to get gifts for. I hope I have one girlfriend. That's um, I guess that's kind of like counterintuitive. But yeah, fact of the matter is I need you guys to shoot me some gift ideas, things that you think family members, girlfriends, people that you're friends with 
would like this year. I traditionally go with the the easy choice, right? Alcohol. You can just buy like someone a bottle of whiskey and a card, and that usually goes a long way. But I feel like I've worn that gift out a little bit too much in recent years. So if you guys have any ideas for something that I should get for a gift for family, girlfriend, anybody of the sorts, shoot a message. But this can also work for Christmas since we also celebrate that. So shoot me over gift ideas. I am really struggling at talking tonight. It is it is a rough night for the uh, for the vocal cords. So I'm not going to go into much of a spiel here, but I am really stoked that anybody and everybody is, is doing as well as it is right now. People are reaching out each and every day that they want to come on the show. So if you listen to this episode and are enticed about coming on anybody and everybody, please check out the Survey Monkey on my Twitter. I will I repost it with every time I post an episode. Fill it out. It's only five simple, easy questions. And then I'll reach out to you about coming on the episode or on the show to do your episode because I want to have as many guests as I can on here. I want this thing to last forever because it's a really great time. And I just love interviewing and talking to people. But I am done talking. This has been one of the more rough nights of my life. I've recorded the intro and outro now eight times, and I hope that you guys enjoyed it. But I'll catch you guys next week, next Tuesday. You know where to find the episode, and I will be signing off right now because I can't even think straight. I hope you all have a great night, a day, night, morning, whenever you're listening to this episode, and stay grooving. I'll see you next week. 